0: Um, I've heard someone say like this, the the West is in a satanic lullaby, like the devil has the West in a firm grip. And the reason why it's happening in the ways it's happening is because he doesn't have to act with violence or any other things because he's already got a hold of us through culture, through social media, through TikTok. So literally what, what Nate said this past weekend, we need to wake up to what the devil is doing in our country about watering down the gospel for us and we need to wake up to what God is doing over the world right now and what he's doing in America and how we can be the change.
1: And it starts with this generation. It does. Like this generation has the opportunity to rebel for the good of the gospel. What is up, Brody Thomas? Yo, yo, yo. We are here for The Vantage Point, and we are diving into a Secret Church recap. Are you ready? Yeah, we are. I'm so ready, bro. I know. I'm feeling this beat, though. All right, so welcome, everybody, to The Vantage Point. We are excited to talk about Secret Church. And before we even dive into Secret Church, I think we need to answer the question, what is Secret Church, and why does it matter? And so, Brody, this was your first Secret Church. It was. Never done it. Six-hour Bible study. No, i never. We through the book of Jonah. Tell me, what is Secret Church? Why does it matter? Should
0: we care? Secret Church, uh, yes, we should care, by the way. <laughs> um, the reason why it matters is across the world, there are people who meet in secret. The church, the underground church, they're where they're persecuted, uh, they can literally die because of their faith in God. They literally have everything at risk just to have the Bible studied. So we take six hours of time to learn about that but also do our own kind of mini, what is it like to be in their shoes, how quickly they have to kind of study the Bible, and absolutely more stuff like that. Yeah, I think, so I came across Secret
1: Church for the very first time when I was probably fresh out of college, and at that point in time, David Platt is the one that leads us in Secret Church. He's the one that does all the teaching, and he was sharing that he had been on a ton of different missionary journeys where he was meeting with persecuted Christians and they didn't have a Bible. And so for people who never had the Bible, he would start to tell them about Jesus and he would try to tell them about this is who Jesus is, this is who God is, this is how he has revealed himself. And they wanted more and more and more. Yeah. And so he would teach and they would just say, Keep going. Keep going. And that I mean, so six hours is a an actual condensed version of what he really would do when he was overseas in persecuted countries where the gospel isn't really, uh, really accept, accepted, really accessible. I don't know why that took me so long to
0: say that. <laughs> A really allowable, accepted.
1: It was awful. Anyway, so yeah, and he's done everything from overview of the Old Testament, overview of the New Testament, how to study the Bible, angels, demons, how to live life, the cross, yeah. suffer, suffering, how do you deal with these things. And it just so happens for the first time ever, 2023,
0: they are walking through the book of Jonah. A whole book. Yep. And that was the first time he's ever Which, done it. Which, just kind of a funny note, I legit thought Jonah was like 12 chapters. <laughs> so going into this, I was like, man, this is going to take forever. Like, this is going to fly. And then I looked at my Bible and I was like, oh, it's like four.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's four chapters. It's and, deep. But... And basically, the format was every chapter was a session. Yeah. And then in between those sessions, we had uh, something that I think was honestly a, a huge benefit to oh my everyone gosh. listening. They had a dope video series on the Iranian church. Yeah. Which is a persecuted secret church.
0: They literally went to Iran, which is even yeah. harder to do, mm-hmm. and, and filmed secretly. everything in secret. Yeah. Which, secret church is kind of funny. but It is funny. Man, And that was honestly the most powerful thing for me was just looking at some of that stuff. And I have known about the Iranian church for a bit. There's a documentary that I really want to watch called Cheap Among Wolves, mm-hmm. which is about that. But... Man, I just, yeah, it was mind-blowing. And we'll talk more about that today. But Absolutely.
1: I, and so if you're listening, you find yourself listening to this, we want to cover what was Secret Church about and, and then what were our takeaways from it and why should you participate in things like this. So with that said, let's dive right on in. In, in thinking about studying Scripture, because we'll, we'll deal with that part first, what was the benefit of coming to Secret Church? for you brody. You're oh, and you're man. older, you're more mature in your faith when it comes to studying God's word. But what was the benefit of it as someone who's never done it before?
0: Honestly, so my first reaction was, man, I really got to spend 6 hours of a Friday like doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt really convicted cuz I just thought, well, if I love Jesus and I love the Bible, like that should be fun for me, you know. Yeah. So, I changed that Relatively quickly, and then I got excited about it. Uh, But for me, I didn't expect what to to get out of it going into it. Mm -hmm. And I honestly got a ton. Like there was stuff I got from Jonah where I was like, "That's convicting." Like I am Jonah sometimes, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I think even more so when we were drawing the contrast between the Iranian church and the American church. Yeah. In my head, I was just going through these things of like they're talking about people who have literally forfeited their families because they believe in Jesus, and they just are dedicated their whole life to sharing the gospel, and they like even will pass out. like They risk everything. They'll get arrested, persecuted.
1: It's funny that you say that. I do want to unpack, and I don't know if you've realized the uh, correlation here. You're a huge Tennessee fan. (laughs) So yeah, Friday night, studying God's word with a bunch of teenagers, maybe not the most exciting thing in the world. However, compare that to What we're supposed to be passionate about. Yeah. And then talk about going to a spring game where you're driving three hours down, three hours back. Mm -hmm. The spring game's what, two hours, maybe three if you include a meal. Yeah, yeah. And you don't you don't bat an eye at that. Yeah, you're right. And I think but I say that not to condemn you. Please don't hear me condemn you. I say it to to be a reflection for all of us. We don't value studying the Bible like we should. No. And so when it comes to and I am a Bible nerd, so I I do want to go ahead and say like I was jazzed about this. But we don't give the Scripture the weight it deserves. And it was fun, and is it, and it is exciting. And, like, one of the things that was cool that David Platt did is he, he connected Scripture to Scripture so well. Yeah. So, like, as you walk through, he put every Scripture reference that he was going to mention
0: in this notebook that we got. I was—that was one thing that I got, too, is the amount, the amount of times the Bible is cross-referenced with the Bible is— Insane. Like, I don't know if yeah. you've seen this picture. It's gone viral recently of a pastor who, like, basically put this graph of the Bible of every book. Mm-hmm. And someone had drawn a line to where it, how they the, the references literally other. communicate with yeah. each other. And it looks like a rainbow. Like, it is crazy how many really? lines and other things connect. But it was just like, if you don't believe God exists and that this is God breathed, then you're wrong. Like, look at how many times these all connect. The Bible literally points, and it all points to Jesus. That's the cool yeah. thing about it. So I love that, David. Uh, took time to do that.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it just shows you this is not done by accident. No. So I don't want to spend too much time necessarily in the study of Jonah because it's impossible to recap what... Take us six hours. Yeah, it would, <laughs> what David Platt, uh, what he covered. But I you know maybe just highlight here, what were a couple takeaways from the night, from the Bible study portion that you walked away with that would maybe encourage people... You know, if they were interested in, in doing this, which, by the way, we could do this at a later date. I have access to it. If you're interested, hit me up at Jake D at ibceleck.com. Yep. Um, or you can just text me. But what, what are some takeaways that you were like, man, the, this stuck out to me as we
0: walked through it? Mine's probably more so near the end of Jonah. Okay. So a brief overview is, like, Jonah gets goes against what God says, right? He's like, yeah. nah, you not me, do, bro. I'm may running. you the super do it spiritual quick run it overview. down. Yeah. So
1: you walk through chapter one, and in chapter one, what you have is you've got Jonah being called by God. It doesn't say when he was called by God, but certainly God spoke to him and told him, "I need you to go to Nineveh." Well. <laughs> Jonah being the wise guy that he is, which, by the way, he was viewed as a, a national leader. Like, people would have heard about Jonah and celebrated him. He was like a celebrated Israelite. And yeah. so he hears this from God, and he goes the exact opposite way. And I thought it was actually pretty dope that David Platt made this, because I didn't know this. Tarshish was a year's journey yeah, away. so that he's, was wild. He's in Israel— He's told to go to Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. Yep. And my man gets on a boat to take a year-long
0: cruise to Tarshish. And here's what's funny, too. I remember my thought when he said that was, Jonah's literally running from God. But I was like, you can't run from God. That's the funny part about it. Like, God's everywhere. You can try and go to the end of the Earth. Because at the time, that would have been the end of the Earth. Correct. And and he even said that. For them, it was the modern-day end of the Earth. And he quoted other scripture that would say that as
1: well. Yeah. Because my man is thorough. He is.
0: But yeah, that was funny. I just kind of thought, you know, how often do I run from God or try to? And then he's like, you literally can't run from me, dude. Like, I am everywhere.
1: Yeah. So then after he gets on this boat, uh, a storm comes up out of nowhere. And even the sailors are like, man, somebody has ticked off a God. And they're freaking out. They don't know who it is. They start throwing stuff overseas. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And Jonah wakes up, and he says, no, I know the issue, I'm the issue, throw me over the sea.
0: It's me, I'm the problem. Yeah,
1: it's me, I'm the problem. And so they do. They throw him over the sea, and then instantly the storm stop. And again, another cool part about this is the sailors actually recognized who God was. They recognized him, and they gave him worship. They feared him, yeah. and they gave him worship. Literally, what the, the text says is... They called upon the Lord, and it says, Please, Lord, do not let us perish because of this man's life, and don't charge us with innocent blood, for you have done just as you pleased. They picked Jonah up, they throw him over the sea, and then these men were seized with great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to him, and they made vows to him. So you've got, for the first time in all of Scripture, you've got Gentiles making a sacrifice to the one true Lord and making vows to him. And I think David Platt said this is the only time in Scripture we see Gentiles doing this.
0: Yeah, and that would have been, for a Jew to read that, would have been like yeah, insane.
1: Insane. So then uh, chapter one ends with them appointing, or some people would argue that chapter two begins with the appointment of a great fish, which, by the way, the fish was not the central piece of this story. People always talk about <laughs> no, Jonah and the great fish. He's literally mentioned to, in I think, three verses. Yeah. So... He gets in this fish, and while this fish has swallowed him up, he's in the belly. Jonah is in the belly for three days, three nights, and he prays to the Lord. Basically, he somewhat is being dealt with. And uh, uh, if you're like me, Jonah, people would argue that Jonah repented. I don't think the text shows that Jonah repented. I actually think that the text shows that Jonah was almost like a disingenuine in a disingenuine place. Like he knew the right things to say yep. and the right things to do. But to some degree, he still didn't really, he wasn't dealing with his own sin and he wasn't certainly repenting of it. But anyway, three days, three nights in the belly of a, the fish. And then he gets vomited onto dry lane, land. That's the end of chapter two, chapter three starts with Jonah finally willing to listen to the Lord. And he goes and he preaches the message that the Lord told him to tell Nineveh. Yep. And what does Nineveh do? They repent, bro. They repent. Yep. And in the midst of their repentance, what does Jonah do? He gets mad. This he is the funny part angry. to me, man. So you've got God relenting. Now, again, the Israelites would have hated the Assyrians. Yes. The Assyrians were not nice people. The Ninevites were not nice people. They were known for their cruelty. They were known for how they uh, punished people, Their their immorality, their sin. I mean, they would, this was really gross, but they would dismember people, yep. meaning take body parts off of their body while people were alive. Skin like them.
0: Cruel. A lot of things.
1: Anyway, so anyway, God, chapter three ends by saying God saw their actions, the actions of the Ninevites, that they had turned from their evil ways, which evil there, as we learn from Secret Church, is raw. Their raw ways. And they relented from disaster, or he relented from disaster. I, so,
0: yep, I loved his point here. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, "Just the words, like God relented." Yeah, like, oh my gosh, like the mercy and grace of God. Yeah, to relent when we repent, His wrath, like He literally stopped. He's like, "I'm going to relent of His of my wrath right now on Gentiles, on a people that aren't Jewish." At the time, that would have been wild. So
1: let's pick up chapter four. Jonah's response? He is angry. In fact, it says that he was greatly displeased and he became furious. So my man, again, if he was repentant, why in the world is he getting angry that God shows his love and his kindness? And God, being very patient with Jonah, asks him in verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? The answer, of course, we should know is no. But Jonah, he left the city and I did find this really interesting. I don't know if you caught this from Secret Church. It says that he left and he found a place east of it. Yeah. When people are running from God in disobedience in the Bible, there is a pattern of where they run and they always run east. East. Yep. They always run east. Again, that was
0: a factoid. Dude, there's that I did not know. When we that's the cool thing is he did the time he took the time to study the Hebrew and all that. So the, the tidbits you get when you do Secret Church are going to be deeper than you would get on a Sunday morning. Oh, absolutely. So even the whole thing of like the three days yeah. reference about the trip to death mm-hmm. and then cross-referencing that to Jesus. Which we saying, haven't touched on that in this I mean, podcast. we can get into that because that's crazy. But yeah, you're right. It was going it's, east. That's very significant.
1: It is very significant. And I would, again, you don't know until you know, right? Yeah. And obviously we did not know at this point. So anyway, um, he, he runs east, and then God brings up, in his pouting, God brings up a, a plant, and it shades him, so God takes care of him in that way. But in the same way that God brought up the plant, he also sent a worm to eat the plant, and the plant died. Jonah gets angry again, and this time, instead of talking to the Lord, he talks to himself, and he says, I'm angry enough to die. Like, basically, I just want to die. And the Lord said, you cared about this plant, which, by the way, you did nothing to do to grow it. Uh, it came up in a night, and it perished in a night. So how in the world may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, where there's thousands of people? Yeah, which 120,000. At this time, would have been a or huge more. deal. And uh, Scripture says they could not uh, distinguish between their right and their left. Again, another reference to they don't know the law of the Lord right David Platt made that connection and it ends with this question they also have many animals how do you not how should i not care about them and we don't hear from jonah he doesn't get an answer no. and the purpose for that was because we are going to be the ones that have to answer that question we get to fill in the blank here it's a it's a powerful ending it's an ending that once you leaves you wanting more and so yeah. that's the book of jonah in a nutshell obviously we don't have time to dive in it um in all of that, I hope you can hear our passion. It was an amazing time to actually study God's word and go yeah. deeper. And you actually, I think, and, and maybe you'll agree. With so maybe if you, I don't know how you felt on the front end. It was like fire hose. David <laughs> Platt. Took, yeah. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a fireman like undo the like a fire hydrant and it just shoots out. Yeah. That's exactly how it felt. Like he started. I agree. As soon as he started, it was boom. Scripture, scripture, scripture. Yeah. Explain it and it was almost overwhelming but as it kept going you started making connections like yep. and as you made those connections i don't know about you but for me i started like getting excited like oh i didn't, i never knew that oh that's yeah, really cool that, that's amazing how did you it helps you to to see how the bible communicates and it proves that god supernaturally wrote this thing and he's the one that keeps it in order and and it and it, it, it all communicates with yeah. itself and that stuff is exciting
0: i think that Takeaway alone yeah. for me was huge too mm-hmm. because I went back and I studied my normal, like, I'm reading through the Bible right now. Yeah. And I was finishing up Exodus, and going to Leviticus. And some of the things I learned at Secret Church, I was kind of coming connecting to certain parts of that scripture. And it made it more like, wow, I should look at where this is referenced in the Bible. And then it was just kind of this whole new appreciation for scripture in my life where I'm even more excited to not read my Bible. So I'm like, what will I find out next? You know? Yeah. So I think that was even that alone is a huge factor of why you should consider doing a secret church. Yep.
1: So now let's transition. So that's the, that's the Bible study portion. Let's talk about the Iranian church. So we were not prepared for this. I did not know this was coming, but we had an amazing video series during like the ending basically every session would end with a 20 minute or so video document documentary of this guy's experience in the Iranian church, and he started with the history of Iran. He started with the history of how it would have been the Persian Empire and and what all that looked like, and then it walked through the installment of the church and how the church was there and what it looked like, and then it got to talk about the persecution that the church in Iran, Iran faced, and then after that it ended with, which, what do they do now? Quick, what are they doing now?
0: Quick side note, too. So there's this website called World Watch List 2023, and they go and rank uh, all the countries, top 50 in the world, of most persecuted places for Christians specifically to live. Iran is number eight. Wow. So the top is North Korea, and they are like, you know, you will get killed instantly probably for having a Bible in North Korea because it's all about the supreme leader, blah, mm-hmm. blah. You can do your research on that. And then go Somalia, Yemen, and you can read the list online. Uh, we'll link it in the description. Iran is eight. So that means that, like, they are top ten, which means you—basically, it is one of the worst places for, to be persecuted as a Christian. Like, you are going to face crazy things. There was a guy that they actually did an interview of who is not in the country anymore. He was one semester away from graduating yeah, this was college, sad. university, and they found out he was a believer and pretty much brought him in and said, it doesn't matter if you finish the classes— Because you're a Christian, we're not giving you a degree. Mm -hmm. So he finishes out the classes. Sure enough, no degree. So he had worked years of his life and spent probably so much money trying to go and get this engineering degree, whatever he was going for. And they were like, nope, you're a believer in Jesus. I'm not going to give you that degree. Where does that happen in America? Yeah, Nowhere, right? So putting that in context of, man, this guy literally... And he still loves Jesus. Like, you. that has to be a crisis you go through. Like, man, is this worth it? Well,
1: I think it, it's, it's a revelation of we take for granted so much in America when it comes to our faith. Yeah. We just do. And, I mean, Scripture is very clear. When the church spread, you go to the book of Acts, what happens? Yeah. It's when persecution comes that Jesus said what? to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. He said, you are going to take my church to Jerusalem. You're going to take it to Samaria. You're going to take it to Judea. You're going to take it to the ends of the world after these these three places. And it's because of persecution that the gospel left Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and it went to the ends of the world. And the same is true when when, when Christian faith is accepted, it becomes a part of our culture and our DNA, yep. and it becomes traditionalistic, and that's not biblical Christianity. No, biblical Christianity is not a tradition. Biblical Christianity is a relationship, and we take that aspect for granted because you hear about it either in school, or you hear about it every week, or you've you know been raised up on Bible stories, but you've never understood, no, this Jesus is real, and... He's paid this price for me and he's freed me and he's, he is life. Yeah. So we miss that to some degree. And then you hear stories about how the persecuted church is sacrificing everything to yeah. follow
0: him. Yeah. The website says they are at great risk of being monitored, harassed, arrested, persecuted for crimes against national security. And that case that is notoriously poorly defined and can be abused. That's what Iranians face. Christian Iranians face every single day. Yeah. And we take the gospel for granted.
1: When well, I think we have a lot of freedom in America, and we do have a lot of freedom, it, it lends itself to take things for granted. So, for example, in Iran, their government is incredibly more hostile than yeah, an corrupt American government. And, corrupt, hostile, whatever yes. you want to say. Same thing goes with many countries, by the way. So, you know... What do we do with acknowledging that the Iranian church is thriving for the, for the name of the gospel and for the name of Christ, and we in America are fighting weird tensions of, oh man, I've got to study the Bible for six hours, or oh man, I've got to go to church. What do you do with that tension, and how do you na- navigate that?
0: I do think part of it is you have to educate yourself on yeah, the other churches, heartedly. so... If I haven't got, and I didn't go to see church, I would have not known as much about the Iranian church as I did. Yeah, hearing stories of other believers, and we hear about it, the stoning. Stoning Stephen, like started revival basically. Yeah, in Acts, you can go read it. Um, that carried weight. Like Stephen was a martyr for Jesus, and he, you know, got to be in glory with Christ. The, like, as soon as he died, that's a beautiful thing. But also, it propelled the church into exploding like people got saved and it just even more out of fuel the fire so we can see stories of hey these people in Myanmar are literally being arrested and they're in jail and they're praying and worshiping God and moving people to Jesus take that and be encouraged in your faith like be thankful first that you live in a country where you don't have to worry about this but also make that fuel your fire to say because I don't have to worry about this I should be even more so local about the gospel in my school
1: take ownership of it absolutely this relationship with jesus is so amazing like and again i I, let me just be very clear this is not casting uh shame on other people like this is a wake-up call for me
0: yeah oh same
1: because i live in the same country and i deal with these same things i think when i'm listening to what's going on around the world it helps me to understand man. I'm one blessed. Yes that I, we can sit here and record this podcast and not have to worry about that door being broken down and us being arrested.. Yep. We are blessed to be able to do things where we get to worship on Sunday morning. not only worship on Sunday morning, we get to put it on Facebook and YouTube and, te- like, yeah. actual TV, yep. and not have to worry about being shut stormed down. or shut down.: Yep. Praise God for that. But we also have to be wary of contentment. And, and, and it is good to be content in Christ. It is not good to be content in our walk with Christ. And, and what I mean by that, I want to be very, very very clear here, is we should be growing. We should be challenging ourselves. We should be allowing ourselves to be exposed to, man, there are people who are dying for this. There are people who are risking everything for this. What, what am I doing? It, it, it's a conviction and a challenge and I think it comes with a call to response. So as we wrap this podcast up, it's cool to hear about Jonah and 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 be able to understand. Oh man, the Bible is so real and it's so impactful and it's so relevant to us. Like I think David Platt ended with uh, some takeaways in the book of Jonah, and basically those takeaways were: um, What do we? How is this relevant for us as we as we look at what Jonah walked through? How how do we? Walk away with that. And, and, and basically, some of those conclusions are, we are Jonah, right? And, and we need Jesus. That, that, those are the two biggest takeaways, and we could dive in it more. And then in, in line with that, Brody, man, we got to see our need for Jesus. And, and just like the Iranians literally are faced with depending on Jesus every day, we got to depend on Jesus just as much as they do. The only difference between us is them, and them is we're not in a country that forces us to see our need so um, violently. Our country still forces us to see our need for yeah. Jesus. When you look at sexual immorality, when you look at the gender conversation, when you look at uh, the attacks of pornography, when you look at comparison, and we need Jesus in those moments, but those aren't necessarily violent.
0: No, and you can technically get away from them. Correct. Like I can delete social media and yeah. then instantly I'm not really being affected by that yeah. versus the government literally spying on me to arrest me, to catch me. Like that's totally different, but I agree it is happening in a different way here. Um I've heard someone say it like this the the west is in a satanic lullaby. Yeah. Like the devil has the West in a firm grip. And the reason why it's happening and the ways it's happening is because he doesn't have to act with violence or any other things because he's already got a hold of us through culture, yeah. through social media, through TikTok. So literally what, what Nate said this past weekend, we need to wake up yeah. to what the devil is doing in our country about watering down the gospel for us. And we need to wake up to what God is doing over the world right now and what he's doing in America and how we can be the change.
1: And it starts with this generation. It does. Like this generation has the opportunity to rebel for the good of the gospel.
0: Let's do it, man. I'm about it. I'm I'm Gen Z so I'm all with it.
1: Yeah. Well guys, I hope again, I know we covered a lot. That was a a huge spray of what was secret church, what was the point. I, the purpose of this podcast should be as you're walking away from it twofold. One, man, we want to encourage you to take opportunities to study the Bible. If you're not reading the Bible, we have another podcast on this channel called Read the Word. It's short, but it dives into Scripture, and it gives practical application for the everyday life. Get in the Bible. That's where it starts. You want to catch fire for the Lord? You want to wake up with a passion that, that is bigger than yourself? It all comes from Christ. But if we never look to him and we never listen to him in his word, you'll never catch that fire. Yeah. And then the second purpose would be don't take what God has given you for granted. Instead, use what he has given you, whether it's the freedoms or the persecutions, for the good of the gospel in your own life and in the lives of others. I think Secret Church was, was an amazing event. I'm so glad that I got to be a part of it. Um, and, and I would encourage you, as you get opportunities to dive deeper in your faith if Jesus is everything to us, that should be a priority to us. Absolutely. And, and I know the tension that it's not, but fight those temptations yep. and cling to the one that is bigger.
0: Yeah. And be authentic. Like we all struggle with this. I struggle with this all the time. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, you opened up with your struggle about exactly.
0: it. Exactly. No, no one's ever, none of y'all are ever going to come to me. And I'm gonna be like, well, you suck. I'm going to say, man, welcome to the team. <laughs> Let's yeah. do this together, though. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. So,
1: well, and again, uh, uh, you know, I think I say this all the time. Jesus gave us three great things. He gave us salvation through his sacrifice. He gave us the Holy Spirit, our helper. And he gave us community. Don't be afraid to find community in the gospel and the believers who cling to that same gospel. And that comes through authenticity. So, bro, thanks for taking time and uh, chatting with me. Absolutely, bro. Anytime. It was fun to kind of walk through Secret Church, and we will... uh, We will end this bad boy.
0: Yeah. Follow us on social medias. Y'all, season two is going to be fire.
1: Yeah. So season one is about to come to an end. We've got one more podcast. And after that episode, we're going to still be doing Read the Word. Yep. But we are going to be winding it down for the actual vantage point conversations. And we will start back up with season two in the fall.
0: It's going to be dope.
1: Yeah, buddy. Hey, thanks for listening.
0: Peace. Peace.